So I was talking to Zach Limhouse down at the York County Cultural and Heritage Museums, and he Great talked guy. about Tryon County and how it was really just this conglomeration of uh, freeholders. They call themselves freeholders, right? Because yes. uh, if the tax man from South Carolina came, they would say, oh, no, we're in North Carolina. And the right. tax man came from North Carolina, oh, no, we're in South Carolina. And I've already line, paid. And that line was kind of a gray area through yes. this, through this uh, section of Carolina. Uh, and it wasn't until later after the revolution that the line wasn't was formulated and, and laid down specifically. That's right. Um, but and it's continued to change over the years. It was just changed about six years ago again. Is that right? Yeah, it was formally, and at that time it was Pat McCrory and Nikki Haley signed the final compact using lasers and satellites and swore this will be, and we promise this will be the last time in a formal accord between both governors because we are destroying homes and families, mm, mm, you know? Right. And it's, it's tough. It's, uh, it is interesting as you go back through history and you peel back the layers and, you look, and you're able to find some of the, uh, uh, the writings and the, uh, the musings of even the British uh, elite, the British soldiers who were in this area, especially after Ramsar's Mill, when they came up into this area and tried to figure out what exactly happened, why did the loyalists get defeated up here? And you know, why did they meet to begin with? And then right. why? Then why were they defeated? Who were these people? And then later on, after Kings Mountain, when Cornwallis is talking or, or writing his his briefs, he says a invisible army or an unknown army on, on on horseback came over the mountains. And, uh, and decimated our left wing, something to that effect. That's right. But he talked about an unknown, invisible army That's on horseback. Right. And really... Um, and they villainized us they and villain made fun of us. And then when they were defeated, they had, to, right. they had to couch it back a little bit. And Tactically, like they, they never understood what they were up against. Right. Because most boys at the age of four, that's the starting age, are brought out into the woods and sat on a father's shoulder who lays the long rifle across a rock, doesn't aim it at any animal, and just fires it to, to split the kid's eardrums, have it ring for an hour or two, you know, and to expose the child to the gunfire five, six, maybe ten times, Eric, until the child is now like, Daddy, it doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Right. I think I'm ready to aim at a deer right. now. Teach me, Daddy. They don't understand the, the father who's now, what we would say is a football field away, 100 yards, okay, so 300 feet, is going to flip a coin up in the air and the kid will miss. But if the father moves up to 200 foot, okay, that flips the coin up in the air, the kid will probably hit it. It's not going to have a hole through the coin, okay, but that's what's going on. And that's what the yelling is like in a cornfield. Are you ready, boy? Yes, daddy! And ting, up into the air. And sure enough, that father will go over there, get it out of the grass. You hit it, boy! You hit it, boy! And it's bent. It's slightly bent. This is what you get when you villainize and make fun of a whole populace and call them bucktooth, backwoods, illiterate hillbillies, who think they're going to create spires that jut into the sky and internationally known universities. 
when you vilify people with eight different negative slurs, okay, and you don't listen intense when they come in and try to warn you, um, my lord, I would like to warn you about each child has grown here is a superior marksman and sharpshooter. Okay, oh, yeah, 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 great to, to hear all that. Thank you for the warning, but they'll never stand up to cold steel injected through their stomach sack. Mm. Okay, they mm. don't know how to fight professional troops. Mm. And that's what happens at King's Mountain. They are actually surrounded by about 900 sharpshooters. And do you know after the battle, Eric, is when they come in and one of the doctors throws the guy out of the building in Charlotte and tells him, get out of the room. You can actually get out of the whole building because these people did not commit war crimes. And what you're telling the Marquess right now, Lord Cornwallis, is incorrect. Okay? And let's not forget that Cornwallis is also the only, if you look him up in history, the Lord of the Bedchamber. Okay? For King George. He's the only person who was ever, if you look him up in Britannica, he's the only person who ever was the Lord of the Bedchamber. What does that mean? That means the secret door behind that curtain there lets three girls in who are waiting, okay? And when I go on to take this job, even if Clinton loses, because Clinton's going to you know, run the risk of losing this whole war, Sir Henry Clinton, I'm never going to get blamed. And I guarantee your ass I will become a governor because I've already been talking with His Highness about becoming the governor of India. Mm. which is what he goes on to do. He's right. very famous. Right. He never gets blamed. He does a very good job, too. And everyone always asks, how did this dude get away? He lost the whole war. I'm like, bro, he has all the goods with, with the black book, okay? He's not going to do the Gislaine Oliver thing, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's got the whole black book on all the girls' names and everything that went on. He was the lord of the bedchamber. There was never anyone in history who had that position in Britannica ever again after him or before him okay it's like the dude who runs the harem what do you call that guy <laughs> the harem master <laughs> so so but cornwallis is in that room in charlottetown and one of the doctors says my lord when they say most of the cadavers that we have found at king's mountain are in an irregular position with their heads tilted back and their mouth open these hillbillies did not disfigure the bodies to send some type of weird message to us. Okay? That's what they keep saying, my lord. Okay? The fact that we have found 20, 40, 60 of these bodies, all with the heads tilted back and the mouth open and dirt in the mouth with the mass graves was not some type of international war crime from a secret signal where they disfigured the bodies. They did not go around doing that. Well, then tell me what happened. What happened was when you get shot, when a human gets shot through the head, Eric, they typically fall back, bleed out with brain fluid or blood. The head tilts back and you'll find the mouth open. When a human gets shot through the skull area, this is very common physiologically and medically. What does that tell you about the people that were firing at them? They were marksmen. They were all marksmen and sharpshooters. They were all discounted and made fun of around here. But they never put it together that, hey, all these kids have been shooting at, at coins flipped up in the air from 200 feet away since they were four. 
that's in my book. I talk, and, and I'd like to read that passage to you, if you don't mind, if, sure. if I could read that, that couple of sentences if we have time. But it's in there, arguing with these people of Scottish descent, okay, Scotch-Irish descent, that, you know, you couldn't shoot a shoot a squirrel off of a tree it's an argument that you it's not even worth it to to get into okay and this uh, uh particular passage that i have is um, from chapter one we piss on major ferguson's british and lifeless body because yeah if you're a warrior that lost at the battle of culloden and of scottish descent that's what's going to happen you're going to piss all over ferguson's body okay you're going to strip it nude Okay, and yeah, when our leaders come up and see that they're doing that, they're ordered repeatedly, stop it. Stop shooting people. Stop it with that body right now. Who the hell stripped all the clothing off of, off, off of Major Ferguson? And stop pissing on them. Okay, you put it back in your pants right now. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be number 14. Stop it. And it does take to get some control over. So people have even asked me, what kind of a name is that for a chapter? We piss on Major Ferguson's British and lifeless body. That's disgusting, Martin. I'm like, that's what happened. I'm just trying to show. Where do you think up of these crazy? I'm like, I don't think of them. That's what happened. That's the truth. That's history. I don't think of I'm not that creative, okay? <laughs> so, I mean, how does that grab you for a title, Eric? Well, it's interesting how we how we uh, romanticize the battles and exactly. romanticize that time in history. It was a it, it was it was a tough time, and yeah. uh, it was full of gore. And and this is from uh, the first paragraph of, uh, of my book. Once I saw the bastard Major Ferguson in me sights, dead fucking on, I pulled me hair trigger on swore Irish red and shot him through his mind. Boasted McKee. Been shooting that fifty caliber rifle named Score Irish Red since I was a wee baby, and I could shoot a squirrel from a limb three hundred feet away if and I wanted it. These were not people to antagonize, apparently, for each one was a marksman and a sharpshooter with little or nothing to live for other than the treasured warrior cult-like clan family pride, which was a thing to protect or take a sharpened dirk and press your own neck down hard on it. No one is giving up their pride or reputation, let alone any family honor especially in Appalachia parts, and all throughout the back country, up country in Kentucky. You could call them on it, any one of them, in fact. Oh, really? Let me see you shoot a squirrel right now, bitch, off a limb. But you could just lose that bet. And this was about James McKee, who had lost his half-brother at the Battle of Kings Mountain. It was Major William Chronicle. Right. Yeah, James McKee is, is the one I decided to, to give a voice to. So, you know, when you have people shooting since the age of four, Eric. They have excellent black powder that they bitched about at the battle. Okay, the English will tell you, like, each one of them it sounded like a cannon was going off. Yet we had this crap with the paper cartridges. They did. And remember, remember mm-hmm. it rained for three days before? Mm-hmm. They said with the teeth, when you bit it, the paper was moist. When I filled my muzzle and the frizzin, Okay, it was firing. It was nowhere near as bright as them. Each one of them that fired, you'd thought the sun went off. From these 900 psychos all around the mountain surrounding us, it was like 900 suns going off. 
Our powder was semi-moist and damp, and in paper cartridges, it had rained for three days. This is the British talking. This is the British complaining. Right. That's also part of the reason we lost the battle, they say. Okay. And we ran out of ammunition, which they also have now found out through time and history, that Ferguson had a bunch of barrels of powder, but he did not properly plan and have more cartridges rolled and ready. He had unopened barrels of power on, on wagons wow. and stuff. So, so And then we're going to add in the new invention, the American long rifle. Hmm. Devastating accuracy. Their, their weapon is only good for about 60 yards. Okay? We're used to firing to, to 100 yards. Okay? Um, deadly, deadly combination that destroys and ruins them. Interesting how many um, points have come together to produce this battle at King's Mountain. You have Mary Patton, who's in Pennsylvania. And is well, she, at this time for the battle, she's moved down right. to... Right, she's talked into coming yeah. down to this area, into yeah. this area that has the big four, right? The big four. The power, sulfur, uh, charcoal, the and, the charcoal. And, the poop. Yeah. Yeah. and the charcoal, and the poop. Yeah. And then everyone in this area know, knows it. The over-the-mountain men purchase powder from her prior to the battle. Well, they actually, she gives it to them for free. Really? What a what a lady, right? Right, right. What what a lady. Uh, she says, you know, John, John Severe, I, I know you don't have the money for it. I know you're broke. But if you don't go and stop them, then now um, there'll probably be nothing left. And they will come over here and get us also. Um, she donates 500 pounds. They're like... <laughs> where the hell did you get five she's like john i mean honestly for you and shelby if you would just take it and stop with the questions okay but the manufacturing process are you like sitting on this you had like 500 i have had to escalate some production to to meet your demand of what i know you need then but i mean i swear to god mary 500 pounds of black powder have you lost your damn mind? I mean, that's like 500 bucks if you had sold it. She says, again, it's just a donation. I'll get some contracts with the President of the United States when he becomes His Excellency, or whatever the name is I know that's going around town. He's going to be called the President. He'll be called His Excellency. Whatever the real name is for him when they make it, I'll get some. She does. She has contracts with James Madison in during the War of 1812. She has government contracts, finally, okay? But for this battle, she just donates it. And when they come across the, the mountain, um, we have our treasurer here who actually gives away the North Carolina treasury, John Adair, and tells Shelby and Severe, I know you guys have, have no money, and what I'm doing is illegal, okay? This is an unauthorized, you know, about $12,000 right. to give you the North Carolina treasury. Right. But to keep you going, there may not be anything left, bro. That's right. If you don't win this battle, we just got our ass kicked in Camden, and that was the last American army we had, mm -hmm. 5,000 soldiers. And, I mean, I tell people, Eric, like, do you know how expensive it is to put a boy in a blue coat with the hand-tooled black leather, so they each have a black leather, with the crossed white belts, each one has a bayonet, each one... Do you know what it takes to feed and to have that entire army destroyed after Savannah's gone and Charlestown's gone and Camden's gone and now Charlottetown's gone? 
and the invasion of the North has been finalized and finished. That was their big plan, let's invade the North, but for the first time from the bottom. This has all occurred. Everything that they planned on doing has occurred. So yeah, when the treasurer, John Adair, gives away the whole treasury, he's like, if they find out, you know, I'm probably going to go to prison. Okay, this is illegal what I'm doing. Um, it's, it's all massive risk for all of them. Mm -hmm. It is. But thank God we had Mary. Um, oh, so a woman tactically kicked the beep out of the British. Okay, in more ways than we even could understand, a Shiro entrepreneur kicked the boop out of the British at the Battle of Kings Mountain. And, and that's what I wanted Eric to bring to the forefront. And I wanted people to see her like you're looking at her now. It's a great book. The book is Terrorist Psychotic Mary Patton by Martin Mangello. Thank you, Martin, for, for that. Before we finish up, uh, and, and you tell us a little bit about you know, what you got going on here. Um, I'd like to ask you, and this is kind of off the cuff here, uh, what does liberty mean to you? Liberty means, for me, um, the freedom of the press, of course, the freedom to live your life the way you want it. Um, the, also, liberty, what we forget today is liberty is about not making fun of other people, okay? So, you know, religiously, whatever people, if people want to talk bad against the United States, that's their right, freedom of speech. If they want to publish that in, in print and it's non-harmful, like, you know, we're meeting and we're going to overtake, you know, the nuclear launch site and we're all headed out there to Montana. Okay, all right, bro, you went too far, okay? Uh, religiously, liberty means, okay, worship any way you want. Enjoy yourself. God bless you with any church and faith you want to have, Okay. Um, but if we do find out that you're out in the woods sacrificing bodies or animals with knives, we're going to probably come in, bro. Okay. Other than that, God bless. Okay. Mm. And then everyone's up in arms, of course, over COVID for two years with the, the vaccines. It's like, that's what liberty means. If they don't want to get a damn vaccine, they don't have to. Mm. If they don't want to wear a mask, they don't have to. But when you start making fun of other people, and having altercations and fake coughing all over people and spitting on them in, in the, the whole food store, like that lady was in Arizona. Again, you have gone too far. You're, you're violating other people's liberty, expressing yours. So liberty is, is the, the right to say what you want to say, to print what you want to print. You can castigate and, and infiltrate and, and flame people. Um, you don't have to have medicines. I have family members in my own family from Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. This is where the Hambrights are from, the home you're sitting in today. We have Hambright Elementary School in Lancaster County. We have General Hambright there, okay? My family, a part of them lives there. They have long hair. All the girls wear long dresses. They're all homeschooled, okay? That's their right. If they don't want to see doctors, it's forbidden to see the dentist, it's forbidden to go to hospitals. Any interaction with a human that wears a white lab coat and has a stethoscope, if that's illegal from their bishop and they have their own scouting and their own Boy Scouts and their own Girl Scouts and their own closed community and their own churches, they are not bothering anybody, Eric. That's why they're here. Here in this town, we have a massive, massive Buddhist temple. From Laos. These are people who were driven out of Laos. It's a Laotian Buddhist temple. 
Does it piss people off around here that we have a Buddhist temple with gold statues and the red building and all that? Yes, it does, but they are not bothering anyone. Hmm. You yeah. know, so I, I have a practice of don't make fun of anyone. If they don't want to get the vaccine, if they do want to get the vaccine, if they don't want to wear a mask, if they do want to wear a mask, do not make fun of anybody, okay? Let them do what they want to do. It's their right to express themselves with liberty. So that's what liberty means to me, is like your shirt says here, freedom reigns. Um, but, you know, making fun of other people for where they worship, what they believe in, how they want to live their life, um, and, and slamming people and putting your fingers in their face and throwing mud pies off the ground at, at their wives, you know, while they're walking into their church. I don't think that's necessary. Right. You know, right. I don't think it's cool. And, and I will say one final thing about liberty, okay? And this is the most important thing. But I can't find any reference where George Washington went into a government building and smeared feces on a statue or wall or pulled his britches down and urinated into somebody's carpet, okay? Or when he was in, you know, Trenton, New Jersey, and he went into that public building that he, he, he did any of that with the blood or fecal matter. That is not part of liberty. And I can't find that. I'm looking. I'm actively, James Madison, Monroe. I'm looking for all of them. Rutherford, General Rutherford. I'm looking. I can't find anywhere that they did that in the name of liberty. So that's what I make it easy for people. You do not do that in the name of liberty. You don't kill cops and you don't do this. Liberty, guys, is, is your right to express yourself, to worship the way you would like. How'd you like to have a mob of like 68 people show up who say, we're all for this party, and we know from the yard sign out front that you're not, so we're taking over this home. And that's what people were angry about down at Fort 96. Mm -hmm. That's what they said at Bigger Staff's plantations. We're going to have to hang a couple of people with the war trial because these prisoners from Kings Mountain, there's a couple of them in there that are criminals. When they came with the mobs, they raped wives in front of children, okay? They hung people in, in Fort 96 from trees. They stole silver, they stole candlesticks, they, they, they villainized and pillaged and robbed. They're not war protected, they're freaking criminals. And maybe after the seventh or eighth person that we hang at Bigger Staff's Plantation, we'll, we'll put a stop and we'll pardon the remaining 20-some, because there are about almost 30 people scheduled to be hung. Chapter 3, Officers' Swords Are Good for Stabbing Prisoners to Death. People ask, where do you come up with these names? for? I'm like, you do realize that marching to Bigger Staff's plantation, they found a couple of prisoners, British prisoners, that were hiding in a hollowed-out tree. And the guy pulled his sword out. He was that our forces were starving to death. And frickin' put sword right into the guy and stabbed him to death. And officers come running over, like Shelby and Severe, and said, hey, that's, that's a war crime. You can't stab a private to death. I know you're starving and antagonized and, well, he was hiding in a tree and I'm sick of this crap. I'm sick of these babies and marching these babies. They marched them all around the state for months, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And, and yeah, so should we be stabbing a person to death? Should a, is that what a patriot does, Eric, with a prisoner? Probably not. It, was it right to take photographs in Abu Ghraib prison 
of, of Iraqis that were stripped nude and, and guys doing photos with doing mm -hmm. selfies with no it wasn't but but these are the things that happen in warfare and as far as liberty is concerned um, it's I think it's pretty easy for people no matter what church they go to and I have friends that don't go to any church they still understand the difference between what is right and wrong so that's my opinions about liberty I appreciate that tell us a little bit about the Inn of the Patriots. The Inn of the Patriots is a place to celebrate patriots. So uh, this weekend we had uh, a Vietnam veteran, uh, Philip, staying with us with his wife, Brenda. It was her 75th year birthday. He said a weird thing to me at, at, at breakfast. We serve a New York Strip steak breakfast with a champagne mimosa. He said, Marty, I, uh, they were from the Research Triangle. He said, the last time I had a steak was 1971 when I was coming out of Vietnam. I'm like, Philip, that can't be the last time. He said, for breakfast. The last time I had a steak for breakfast was when I was coming out of Vietnam in 1971. That's what the end of the Patriots is about, Eric. It's about celebrating patriots of all forms. And, and my wife is also a, you know, a female disabled veteran. And we have to make space for them, the women in the world. You know? and, and she just she left here when she was 18. And people said, I mean, that woman's crazy. You heard about that dumb Neil girls going in the Navy? Why would she join the Navy? You're from the farm, you know. So why would you? Well, she watched Tom Cruise. And you turn that music on. You watch that in the movie theater? She worked on tractors. Her grandfather, Paul Jim, had a sawmill. Guess what she went to do in the Navy? I'm not going to make you guess, Eric. She was repairing Tomcat engines and helicopter engines now. I told at scouting last night, a kid come in, he said, there you go, my dad said we should work on this merit badge next, Mr. Mongello. He put it down, it was a printout, I'm like, automotive repair. Holy heck, they have a merit badge in that? He's like, yeah. I was like, my wife's gonna love this. My wife was helping my son one day work on a with the, the Chilton's manual, 600 pages for mm -hmm. his car. I'm like, where did you get a, a Chrysler 200 1999 Chilton? She's like, I ordered it off of Amazon. Now, here on page 482, it says we are to take a sprocket wrench, and I'm like, oh my, God, you are like crazy, woman. You that's, know? that's crazy. So, so that's, that's what we're dealing with. So if they come here in beautiful Grover, North Carolina, tell, tell everybody how, how to get here. Yeah, so we're right on Interstate 85. Um, we're here at the border. Hopefully it stays. Okay, they swore up and down. This is the border. The border uh, between? North so the border between South Carolina and the North Carolina. Okay. So exit 106 in South Carolina. In North Carolina, you're going to get off at exit 2. We have the new casino. is just up the street at exit 5. And it's a, it's a wonderful place. Did I hear you had like a theater? We, we have, have the movie theater. theater upstairs. We'll put guests in there at night, uh, particularly Saturday night seems to be popular. If they want to watch a movie on the big screen, we make the popcorn for them. We have, of course, a huge glass candy counter. This is like a little White House type we of thing, We let them pick anything they want out of the counter, the big box candy for free. We try to make it magical right. you know, for right. them. And, and, and that's what you're asking yourself when you come home as a veterpreneur, that's what they call us. If I make a bed and breakfast, why would anyone want to stay at this dump? Because I've had people mention to me, you know, like I drove, there was a guy, 
you know, from New York. He drove 11 hours here. He's like, let me tell you something. Come on over here, Marnie, away from my wife. We drove 11 hours down here. I must have drove past like 900 bed and breakfasts on the way down here, okay? With my wife talking nothing about, oh, meeting Marty, cooking with Marty, dining at the presidential, whatever it is, for three months now, okay? I must have driven past 900 of these bed and breakfasts on the way down here. I could have stayed at any one of them, Marty. Like in Virginia, whatever, you know. I'm like, oh, well, Anthony, uh, thank you for not calling me Anthony. You got it right. My name's Anthony. I'm like, well, yeah, Anthony, I'm also Italian-American, so I know the difference, okay? Um, but yeah, you know, we were asking ourselves, what would distinguish us in the marketplace? Uh, and that's when my wife and I, we were like, well, we, what if you contacted the presidents that you worked with and, and have cooked with and done other things with the past six presidents like you said you know from Biden all the way back to H.W. Bush well, if you contacted them and we built like a mini museum that would distinguish us in the marketplace after all Marty you were a White House chef that would distinguish it maybe people would stay here then thank you so much for sitting down with us Marty thank you guys and now all the listeners out there uh, we really appreciate you listening to History Man podcast how would they get a hold of you if they wanted to come here. So the in of the patriots.com, the in T H E I N N of the patriots.com. The in of the patriots.com. Outstanding. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Yeah.